tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and this week's episode features Frame co-founder and chief creative officer, Eric Torstensen. For a change of pace and a Glossy Plus member event, we recorded live from Frame's Soho store in New York City. There, Eric discussed 10-year-old Frame's evolution, including its product category and physical retail expansion, as well as its increasing commitment to sustainability. He also discussed his current investment projects and path to frame, which included founding and selling a majority stake in multimedia fashion marketing agency, Wednesday Agency Group. Thanks for listening. For those who don't know Eric, I'm going to embarrass you and photographer, investor uh, of Wednesday Agency Group fame from back in the day. Um, but yeah, so we're going to go through all of it, how kind of his experience set him up for success with Frame, how Frame is evolving, growing. Uh, we talked about some things over on the side, things that maybe other brands are doing that maybe aren't a fit for Frame. Uh, why and why not? The metaverse, we'll have to hit on that for sure. Um, <laughs> duh. Um, but yeah, so welcome again. Um, and yes, I am wearing Frame. <laughs> are you wearing Frame? And so am I. <laughs> hey, as we should. I acted like they were doing me a favor. Like... I'm coming if you would like me to wear frame. <laughs> the worst thing. Um, so, yes, let's talk. Tell me about this store. We talked. I was here for the first time in 2018 since yes. you've opened a bunch of stores. What's your store strategy here? Oh, he, oh yeah. Sorry. Jump straight into it. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you yes. for coming. <laughs> if you don't wear frame, leave. Um, <laughs> store strategy is kind of new. Um Nowadays, the store we're sitting in right now was our second store ever. First one was a Melrose Place in New York, sorry, in LA. Uh, this was the second one. We refitted it one time. I'm about to do it again because I believe in keeping the energy in stores and retail is very important. Our recent store strategy is very much twofold. It is um, mainly present in our new London store, which is what I call the neighborhood flagship which is the fanciest store we have, but it's very small. And I want to be where our customers live. And it's on Draycott Avenue, Brompton Cross in, in London. And I think our customer lives there. I know she lives there. I used to live there. So um, that's it. And then we have a secondary concept, which is more like where our customer goes, or he and she goes, which is more Aspen, Palm Springs, for example, where we want to give a different experience, yeah. which is more to where... Sort of like Aspen, for example, has a big mountain in it and has wood on the walls and it's more cabin-like. So there I want to give more of a, I don't want to give a global experience all the time. I want it to be new when you, I want it to be the same where you live, but I want to be new when you travel, if you will. So Green Street, where we're sitting now in Soho, I think almost has to do the same, or do both actually, because you will have tourists now when COVID hopefully is over, knock on wood. <laughs> uh, and also a lot of people live here. So I'm going to figure out what this will be in this next iteration. Yes. Oh my gosh. The tourist. <laughs> that, that's a big thing for Soho. Like, I mean, was there talk, was there any question because you were gung-ho on retail prior to the pandemic? Um, was there a thought like, let's move things online. Let's downsize. Re physical retail is too risky. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, the simple answer no. is no. Because people like to shop, right? No, but you have to hit all levels. It's like when we were already online, obviously we have to be, I think we have to be 200% everywhere. Uh, all our retail stores are profitable, it's doing well. Of course, at a complete shutdown, no one was doing well. But, but uh, yeah, I believe in a total sort of omnichannel approach. It is social, it is 
of course, online and everywhere else, physical, it is events. It's like every touch point with the customer, wherever he or she is, like we need to be. Yeah. Effectively. That's interesting. When you talk about touch points, I always am asking about the the breakdown of wholesale versus DTC. When I first met you here, yeah. 2018, we were talking about what a different time it was. I came for a press preview. Jens, your co-founder, and you were both here at the same time and showing me around the store. Um, but it was 2018. You had talked about you had just launched your e-commerce site two years prior so and you started in 2012 so was it all wholesale out of the gate um what was the evolution um to dtc um we yeah it was frame was a lot of wholesale in the beginning uh, a lot and it was amazing uh, it's like sometimes you don't you can't believe everything you read uh, <laughs> when everything is just about dtc and direct consumer and and that has been a big trend and during that trend maybe frame wasn't the sexiest brand in the world because we were 80 percent wholesale early on uh, or in the beginning we were 100% because we didn't have a store, we didn't have an e-com. Uh, and we have amazing wholesale partners and we have an amazing network and they made us famous, they made us have a great turnover. Uh, you know, I, I'm so blessed to have them. Uh, but to be a healthy brand, and I think for our wholesale partners too, we had to achieve a more balanced approach and that comes through e-commerce and to stores. Uh, so now when we have 15 stores in total uh, and a very, very flourishing e-com business since many years, we are now 50-50. And I think it's a lovely balance. And, and when I look now at a lot of direct-to-consumer brands who have taken big investments, who used to buy their customers with digital advertising and so forth, uh, they will be struggling a little bit more now, I think. We have now a store network. We have a healthy you know, balance sheet, if, you know, with no investments and so forth, so we can do what we want. So I actually think, strangely, even though Frame has been around for 10 years this time, our time is now. It's like a, it's strangely on trend. Yes. We are celebrating 10 years of frame today. I didn't even mention that. Well, not today. It will be in all October, year. September, October. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is spectacular. Tell me about the longevity of the business. I mean, you're evolving. I would think that's a secret. What, what would you owe this to? Oh, uh, I do think, yeah, both Jens and I are very impatient, yeah. uh, for sure. And I think it comes a little bit from being entrepreneurial before. Like we have a you know chapter one career that was about agencies and consultancies and so forth. Saturday Group that was Wednesday was part of that you mentioned earlier. We had peer agency production companies. We had a sales and distribution company, and it was always like new, new, new. And Frame was our first venture into having our own brands, and then we sold off you know the, the consultancy part of our lives and went on from there. And then you know. For Ian's wife, Emma, you know, had great success with Good American. That was like a little bit born out of frame and that idea. And then, you know, Jens is killing it with skims and, and other brands and so forth. So it's always certain newness. Uh, and I think that is part of all these brands. And I think that is also part of, if you talk about frame, that success. I see frame very much like a software. So it's like, you know, we did 1.0 that was launching, that was being able to do product at all, being able to sell. 1.0 was like be able to do product, be able to sell something, which was new to us because we previously came from marketing mainly. And 2.0 was mainly when, you know, Jens at the time moved to, to LA, professionalized the business. We opened e-com, we opened our first store. We, we also got, sold our previous whatever businesses and started to focus on this totally. And then 3.0, you know, new strategy with COVID, brought in a new CEO. 
um, and so forth. Now I'm working on 4.0 or what that will be. So to like manifest that you always have to change yeah. is the success of change, if you will. Like it's never stopping. It's never like it doesn't end. It's it's uh, when when I started Frame. Uh, I have a dear friend, Mickey Schiller, who started Acnes down the street, another Swede who's had an extraordinary success in making an amazing brand. And and because we came from the agency world, he told me, it's like, Eric, you know you're a good sprinter, but this is a marathon yes. <laughs> to run a brand. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I'm like ADD and everything is like very quick and it's like unfocused and whatnot. And then, it, you know, for five years, I was like, yeah, no, I understand. It's like I had to really change everything I do. And But I think newness and energy is super important. And I think that's what what uh, hopefully keeps frame going and fresh and so forth. Like you never sort of stop. Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying with sitting in this and earlier you said in this story, you're like, oh, this is okay. And I'm like, no, I want to change everything. <laughs> uh, and it's exhausting, but it's the only way. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot of creative energy here. And I, I, we talked about um, when I came in in 2018, the big conversation was you had a model there. She was wearing a jumpsuit um, that, you know, were more than a denim brand because that's how you came to market. That's how you came to be. And even to this, probably within the last year, I know from your PR when I like interviewed Jens and I was going to do a story and they're like, please don't refer to it as a denim brand. <laughs> don't worry. I won't. I know better nowadays. But yeah, tell me about like the, uh, I guess, the is like the risk of being labeled that or being known for that uh, um I, I don't think it was a risk when when we started frame we and we always say this it's like we were naive in a good way because we hadn't done product we hadn't we we advised you know some of the most talented designers and founders in the world of, of different luxury brands and fashion but we hadn't done products so i didn't know that it was a category effectively called like premium denim it was just happened to be so that we know a guy called Nico who was good at making jeans. And because we're not fashion designers, we were like, you know, marketing is good for jeans. It's, just, it's all the same fabric. Don't tell anyone. But like, it's, <laughs> it was kind of all the same thing. Skinny is a skinny jean is a skinny jean. And it's like, then you have opinions and marketing and so forth. So like, well, maybe we start with this. And um, it's like we were, we were like naive but good. And now I lost my chain of thought. Sorry. Jeans. You don't want to be a denim brand. No, we wanted to be a denim brand. But, but then suddenly people started labeling us as a premium denim brand. And I was like, what? I don't understand. Like, we were just like, it's supposed to be like a thing. Like, just like with Chanel, but it's like a, you know, it comes in a beautiful box. And of course, you have a supermodel and all this kind of stuff. We just didn't, we, we didn't know better, but that was kind of great. So that's why we were disruptive. Because we were, you know, it was clean. And at the time, all the denim brands trying to make everything like very novelty. And we didn't really, we didn't know. We just did what we thought. And usually that's the best thing. And then we were labeled the premium denim band. And then we're like, but this is never how I thought of frame. I thought of frame as like, we start with this and then we do this and we do the other thing. And I'm like, I have so much left to do. It's literally, uh, you know, it's going to be a lifestyle brand. I, you know, I, I want to make furniture. I want to do so many things. And we always had that vision from the beginning. But we start with one thing. The people want furniture. I saw this on your Instagram stories. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, I, th I think if you haven't, like, this goes for everything is if there's any advice in this, it's like, if you have an opinion on an aesthetic or a lifestyle or how people should not should live, like, they will tell you how they should live, but how you can fit into consumer life or their lifestyle, I think you can apply that to almost anything. I was always told, like, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and which triggered me to try to do it. And I haven't always done it in a successful way, maybe never. But it's like when you say taking pictures, everyone told me, don't take pictures because you're not a director. Like, don't design a pair of jeans or do a fashion brand because you're not a fashion designer. Or like, don't edit the magazine, you're not an editor. It's like, it's about to swear now, but like, what? 
why not? Like, you don't have to <laughs> like it, but I'm going to try it. It's very like Nike, just do it. And sometimes we fail. That's okay. Like it's, the, you know, no one's going to remember the person who just waited. Right. You know, it's like you've got to do it. And then you, sometimes you will fail. That's okay. Like you move on, especially now. You guys know it's like you look at Instagram. It's like here today, gone in not even tomorrow. It's gone in three seconds. Right. It's like really hard to be sticky, you know. Right. So you've got to do a lot. Is there anything you've failed at? Every, almost everything. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like I failed getting up this morning. <laughs> you know, I failed to answer a question to my son today, which I told you about earlier, but like what heaven is. And I was like, I don't know how to explain that to a four-year-old. You know, no, but we also have done businesses that failed several. And we tried and tried. You know, we tried to start this little brand at one point called Grace. We had Hubris from starting Frame, and it was a little black dress brand. And we always say like, but it wasn't a failure. Like the business failed, but we learned so much from that. So then we were like, then we were much better when we started the next brand or whatever it might be. So there's almost no failure, I think. It's just like not trying. Like that's the failure, in my opinion, humble opinion. And learning and moving on. Yeah. For sure. For sure. What was I going to say? Cool girl. You're, I think of your, audi- your audience, your shopper, like, and guy. Hello. Um, but it's just like this cool aesthetic. Like when you're as you're evolving to lifestyle brand, is there somebody that you have in mind? Is it just because you have like this is your taste? How do you describe who you're designing for? I think it's yeah, I design for the men and women is a little bit now it's the same actually. I design for the men and women that surrounds me. I think. And in the beginning it became the the it was like the model's jeans. It became the model's jeans because we came from an industry where I did all these campaigns and those sort of people I knew. as fashion editors, stylists, and models. We came from the industry. So that was kind of natural and you can't fake it to make it, right? I mean, you can fake it to make it, but you have to be true to where you come from. Uh, so that made sense. Nowadays, uh, I have an amazing focus group at home because I have, you know, uh, two stepdaughters. One is 16, one is 22. They're both like incredible style of a different generation. And I have my girlfriend who's like the chicest woman I know. Uh, so like, you know, I'm a white, straight, you know, privileged 40-year-old man. I really don't know what women <laughs> want to wear. So like I have them. That's good. Yes. And then I surround You might have myself. seen them in Vogue this weekend. I mean, that was spectacular. Sorry, go ahead. But then I have, you know, it's not so much about me. It really is about the team that is at Frame. And like to surround yourself with amazing people and Frame really is team not me and and so I listen and learn and I just came back from LA yesterday where we have proto week it's called when you look at all the prototypes of the clothes that you guys going to see in spring 2023 and the question is always like would you wear it how are you going to wear it because I won't I mean hopefully not <laughs> uh, so yeah I think the women that surrounds me still and the men that surrounds me is my friends the, the, the men stuff when we launched relaunched men's I photographed 42 guys of all you know, sexualities, nationalities, sizes, ages, everything, different professions, and ask them to style themselves. Because the whole idea is that from men is more style, women is more fashion. Men is like dress your character. And for women, I just have to try to learn and listen, I think. And of course, I have an idea about like the woman I, the idea of the woman I like to dress. And I think that's the foundation of frame for sure. But, but I'm just trying to like learn. <laughs> For sure. Well, let's talk about the guys that um, are in your 42 guys in this book. Um, they're not traditional style influencers. That's probably not who's going to – are guys scrolling? Are they following style influencers? Maybe some of them. Who are they? What what inspires men to buy clothes in your this eyes? This is a very good question. And 
I had a lot weird because men's should have been easy. Like my background was very much in men's. I launched something called GQ Style for yeah. Condé Nast back in the day when I was young. And then we had our own magazine called Man About Town that was like about men. And I stopped doing that because I was like, I'm not like cool and gay and in East London. Like, I don't know. Like I wear black every day and it's like, I can't do fashion, but like, but I, but I want to buy things online. And then I approached Netta Pote to start Mr. Porter and we started that. And that's kind of like my sweet spot, I think. So... I th my idea for men's for frame is very much like a system of dressing uh, and it's very much based very egocentrically very based on how I dress and I think it should be a system where you it's how you put it together yeah. like you can be young you can be old doesn't matter uh, the idea was always like you can be a hedge fund guy in Greenwich you can find something here you can be the coolest guy in Brooklyn you can find something you can be an artist from Chelsea you can find something here it's how you put it together so it's like it's style, it's not fashion. Well, frame should never be the hottest thing ever. It's not what I want. It should be like wardrobing, it should be chic, it should be confident, and men should look effortlessly. I think men should look like they didn't try, but we all know they tried. <laughs> so it's fit, fabric, and function kind of thing. Yes, if they know what's good. Do you feel like your agency background, and well, now you're like so connected, everybody in your life is very connected, um, but your agency background, you talked about having access to models and stylists and knowing these people. Like your photography is beautiful. Like you're not scrambling to like, I don't know, make a photo shoot happen. Um, you're shooting it. Um, tell me about the yeah benefit of going in from the agency world. Uh, I, yeah, I had huge benefits on one side. I think we were good at, as you said, like we were connect, to a certain extent connected. We also knew retailers and could approach them with this idea. We Because we had a sales and distribution company at the time. Uh, you know, we had our own PRs. So, like, we were kind of set up to accelerate an idea with these companies we had in Saturday Group. So that was very good. But, oh, boy, did I not know. Like, I, I spoke to someone today, actually, that used to be my client uh, and who wanted advice on a brand. And and he was also, like, a big marketing director person. And he's he now is involved in the brand. He's like, I don't know anything. Can you advice me? And I was like, I didn't know anything either. <laughs> and I really didn't know anything. And often I thought like, I felt so like both humbled and a little bit like stupid that I used to sit with all these like incredible, like, you know, Louis Vuitton and Montclair and, and advise them. And I was like, before I had my own brand and I had my own brand, I was like, I don't know anything. <laughs> like it's like marketing branding thing. It was like 5% of what it is. It's like, and, and to be fair, it probably took me, I don't know, five to seven years to understand that and understand like how little what I knew mattered yeah. to be honest like I was naive that way because often you know what you do you think is more important than this yeah. and and in some ways I had to learn the hard way and I'm still learning like very very much uh even after all these years with frame how different it is like that sort of that was really a career switch yeah. and 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 it was I don't think it was easy yeah, so different people have different benefits going in. Like ideally, like where do you what do you feel like you were lacking? Like different people come from the business business school, different people come from design school, like a traditional. I didn't fashion know how background. to make clothes. I didn't, yes. know, I didn't know what returns was. I didn't know what logistics of that kind was. I didn't know what like fabric position was. I did yeah. not know, you know, I markdowns and oh they do markdowns we have to do markdowns and i was like can we not just make like the perfect t-shirt and just do that <laughs> like why do we have to have newness like i don't want newness i just want to like do the same thing over and over again like this is the perfect category why do you need it in new colors i don't understand like so i like it was very like uh yeah like 
in the same way as if you if you start your own brand and if you're a fashion designer from the beginning and you started with the great merchandises, maybe like you know you won't be as good as marketing or in certain ways, right? So everyone has their own thing. Uh, so, yeah. So I think it's you have your expertise and you have to learn. And yeah, I learn every day still. I mean, I learned so much just two days ago in LA. I was like, okay, great. You know, <laughs> we can't do that. Fine. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, we got to talk about, you mentioned um, like making clothes. Talk about uh, the most recently. Um, are you guys experiencing those supply chain challenges? I want to tie it eventually to, to a sustainability story because I'm sure that like that jump into sustainability big time in the last year, like as supply chains are bananas it makes it all the more difficult talk about supply chain cool yes so now i've learned <laughs> about supply like chain that definitely took 10 years uh supply chain has been challenging during covid for sure mainly through delays which everyone is experiencing and when you promise you know to deliver certain things on time especially to wholesalers and your customer and so forth and it doesn't show up that is hard for sure but it's mainly hard for, you know, our amazing teams that has to, you know, and big shout out to all of them, like over time, just going back and forward, back and forward when you can launch things or don't launch things, which is very difficult. Uh, so, so it's mainly like you have to be more agile than ever. Uh, you have to be ready to change. You have to think about the assets you have when you actually like deliver them. Uh, that's a big thing. Uh, but I think our companies handle it amazingly, but it's really down to, you know, the teams that are there uh they, they're extraordinary and they work so hard on it so for us it's been a i wouldn't say i mean it's hard for everyone but i think we've handled it as well as humanly possible yes did you make any changes uh, in the last two years in terms of um like we talked about pulling out of some wholesale partners you're 50 50 now um maybe you haven't pulled out we've just grown yeah. our direct business that's interesting. And everybody was probably online. Did you make any changes to your e-commerce site to make it maybe more like a store or something like that? Mm, no, but uh, as COVID hit, as part of the 3.0 version of Frame, big strategy was to redesign the website completely, uh, which we just launched now a couple of months ago uh, together with an amazing agency. We outsourced it. Uh, it's now set up to be what it needs to be for the future. But it doesn't have so much like a different experience. It's, for me, it's much more about the shopping experience being very smooth, very easy checkout, giving enough tools to our team to be able to merchandise in an attractive way, tell stories, all this kind of stuff. So we like, COVID was very much laying the foundation for us to be able to like double or triple the company in the next few years. Amazing, and you weren't switching to sweats and going all comfy cozy. No. I see plenty of denim in the house. We have other brands for that. Yes, I love it. Let's talk about that because you talked about how, um, again, our little side combo, um, kind of who your shopper is, where they're shopping. Maybe they're buying Chanel. Like they're a luxury shopper. Um, yeah. Maybe they're coming to you for clothes more so than accessories. You've introduced accessories. Um, yeah. What do they want from you as you expand? Um, are you going to lean more, just lean on, on the ready to wear? Um, that's where it's at. I think... Um, I learned something from when I was in the agency days and I used to work for, you know, the, the king of everything in this business, Mr. Bernard Noe at LVMH, who I used to meet with almost every Monday during the time. And I remember it's anecdotal, but, but I, you know, you learn a lot from these, you know, incredible kings of, of this industry. He said, when we came with crazy ideas for Louis Vuitton, he always said like, hang on, 
am I allowed to do this? And I was like, of course you're allowed to do this. He's like, yes, this is your you, you can do anything. And he's like, no, 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 are we allowed this? Will the customer allow us to do this? Are we okay to do this? And then like, we have to question it and see if it's okay. And often it was, and sometimes it wasn't. And I've taken that a little bit with me to frame when we think about new categories and what we can do. Uh, and that's why I often describe us as like, you know, best supporting actors is what we should go for because our consumer, she and he has her, his lead actors, right? Like that's the super brands. They will, as you said, they will buy the handbags from Hermes or Chanel or Saint Laurent or so forth. I should not compete with that. I cannot compete with that. It's impossible. I know those brands. And the same for shoes largely. So uh, I think we have categories where we can, we can really supply, you know, everyday chic to a customer that is, you know, has a great, you know, spend, that, that has a great taste and so forth. And it comes in different fabric categories. You know, denim, of course, is our base. We have great business in cashmere, cotton, leather. I think we should dress her and him from nine to six, maybe after work drink too. But I don't think we do like crazy evening, all this kind of stuff that we're allowed to do I think. I don't think we're allowed to do gala dresses. I don't think we're allowed to do luxury handbags. I don't think we're allowed to do crazy high heels, for example. So why should we? Like, I think you're defined by what you don't do as well. Uh, so why do I have some handbags here? Because we also see a lot of uh, our customer buying for the daughters. Oh, hey, hey, that makes sense. <laughs> Different price points. Yeah. Shouldn't, you shouldn't have Chanel when you're 13. <laughs> God forbid. I'm jealous of that 13-year-old. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about where you're allowed to go. Um, and this has to do with marketing. You talked about We talked about the metaverse. Um, we're seeing luxury brands there, which you would never think you would see. I don't know, maybe like Gucci nowadays. Okay, that makes sense. Um, is there a place for you there? Um, obviously, luxury brands are... I don't know. They're, they're tearing down the walls. They're going left and right. Maybe one day will be, but I... Again, like, I don't think it is for us at all at this point. doesn't mean I'm not super interested. Yeah. I read everything and, and know everything. And I'm involved with other brands where it could be amazing. Uh, and again, I, I, I don't believe it's great for brands to just rush into things just because it's new. I think it looks desperate. I don't think the customer understands why you're doing it. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's a new bar and you run there and it's like, you know, it's like for... I don't know, bikers. And I'm like, there, I'm like this Swedish guy that looks like, I'm like, ah, you're like I, it's not for me, you know, like, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to not like jump on everything. It's okay to like, you know, you're, you're as defined by what you don't do as what you do. And it doesn't mean I'm ignorant in any way by Web3 or Metaverse or anything. I am yeah. consumed by it largely because you have to know what's going on. But I think it's great if you have super fans. It's great if you're famous. It's great if you have people queuing up outside your door for certain things. It's great for music. It's great for a lot of things. Frame is wardrobing. I, I don't think there's an enormous urgency to frame. I like that. I don't want frame to be hype brand necessarily. I want it to be more famous and more attractive and more elevated and more amazing at all times of the day. But it's it's like it's different you know it's like different food different music different everything just because it exists you don't have to do it yes well when you mentioned no not a hype brand um all right well first of all like newness classics like there's this kind of there's an area like are you doing seasonal collections or i know you're doing collabs which is not necessarily a hype thing but it is an opportunity to like buy now tell me about that balance 
Yeah, I think it's it's like three, or we have sort of three different layers uh, of what we do or how we merchandise it. It's like we have we have a core, which effectively is like comes back and you qualify to core if you you know if you have good sales and a lot of it's jeans and it's t-shirts and it's the cashmere and so forth. It's a large portion of our business for sure, and I I would like it to be even bigger because I love for everyone to come back. Like I want you to know that, okay, so we have worked on this best cashmere sweater, I come back for it and we have it. Like, I don't want you to come back for it and we don't have it. Like, yeah. you know, that makes no, that was like in the beginning, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> so that's like the core. Uh, and then we have, of course, seasonal things that should like, you know, be on trend or be part of it, but feed back into the DNA of the brand, yeah. uh, which is somewhat newness. But again, we need to stand, stay in our sandbox of our aesthetic and what we do, not chase trend. Like, I don't believe in that, uh, you know, frame doesn't do street. Like, it's not what we, or whatever, streetwear, when that's been such a huge thing. Yes, we'll miss dollars, but like, it doesn't make sense for us to do it. You can't, I, I think it's very confusing when brands does that. And then the third thing is collaborations, which I love, and that's energy. Yeah. So brands need energy at all times. And also newness and getting people to play with your DNA is really fun. So I believe in that. It's always been part of what we did. We did, you know, when we very first launched, we had, you know, lucky enough to have a collaboration with Carly Claus, who at the time was maybe not as known as now, but it was literally based on us having dinner and she's going, my legs are too tall for your jeans. I can't wear them, but we're friends. Can you, what can we do? Yeah. And now we do them at exactly the same way, yeah. <laughs> maybe sadly, but like it's like friends and family, we do fun stuff. We did something with the Ritz recently. Uh, we're going to do it again because we're very successful, but it's literally about like having fun together. I always say like, is it work if you have fun with your friends? And that brings energy and newness to the brand in a way that is maybe unexpected. Uh, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that messes with our core message. I think we can lend ourselves to that and we can play for a second and we come back. Uh, and, and it gives energy to the team and it gets newness to our execution. It's like the next Ritz thing is going to be like very different. You know, I have another a series that I'm doing now that is like the editor's edit. We started with our, you know, which is just like very stylish women. I think Ilona Hammer was the first one that we did. She's not famous. She's just the stylist. I work with Frame. But a lot of women, I think, respect and like her style. So we made product, it sold extremely well actually. And I am working with someone else that is gonna be launched, but it's gonna take a while uh, in this series. And again, like not someone famous, she's just like very good at product. And I think she looks like other women wanna look like. I can never do what she is and her personal style. It wouldn't be believable if I did it. So again, I lend my services to her to just like make her dreams come true. And I think that's like good energy. For sure. Well, that Carly Claus collab was so memorable. Like, I, it still sticks out like it was yesterday. It's a problem. For many years, many people thought that frame was Carly Claus's denim. <laughs> and I love Carly. <laughs> but it's not. Right. Well, um, you also did Carlisle Hotel on top in, in New York um, and the Ritz. Like, and I started following, is it Alona? Yeah. Alona. Um, yeah. After I saw your collab, because I was like, she's so chic. Is it? Is it about like... I would think your customer and the Ritz, like it's probably the same. It's not about acquiring new customers through this collab. It's about like a complementing, different point of view coming to your brand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and doing things outside of our comfort zone, which I like. I think like we need to stretch ourselves and be like a little bit uncomfortable. Otherwise you stagnate, like you get too blasé. 
So like the Ritz is exciting because it's like we get to work with an iconic global brand. We're not, to be fair, like we're only 10 years old. They're like, you know, an incredible brand. They have an incredible owner who's like amazing to work with, a super cool team. And therefore we can extend ourselves. They can extend ourselves. And it's like a win-win. I would say it needs to be a win-win. Every time I call someone up to do the collaboration, I go like, we're not going to make a lot of money on this, you know, but it will be fun and it should be a win-win. And that's like kind of it. Sign me up. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a lot of loyal customers um, that are coming back. They know you. They love you. Um, tell me about acquiring new customers. Are you putting big investment dollars into digital, into Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz? We are. Yes. yes. It's a simple answer. But I think it is, it's different now because of everything that has changed when it comes to private settings and so forth. You can't really buy your customer. You're used to And luckily, we never really did. I think it's going to be tougher for a lot of other brands. Uh, in maybe also different categories. Um, what we do, it, our strategy is much more, that's where we have stores as well. It's like where we have a store and where we have wholesale close by in Nordstrom, let's say, it's where we have our best e-com too. So it's like you create mini centers. So the more famous you are, where you are, like that becomes like a center. Like in nice. New York, you know, we have three stores in a city. We... Uh, have one in Greenwich. New York is a very good place for us. Uh, so I'm trying to build more like centers like that. Uh, and acquiring customer comes from, you, you know, if your store is like a billboard, you come here, you might not buy anything. You go home, you buy online. Yes. That's a very cheap customer acquisition uh, instead of just, but of course we have a big bill to Facebook and Meta, whatever, you know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but I also think you have to do better there now, better with video. You know, we have projects now where we will put a lot of dollars into the content of the campaigns we create there rather than just being like automated, you know, campaign creation, especially around our fits. You know, it challenges us more to go onto new platforms to just do better, uh, which I think is great. Uh, but I quite like this, like, we have a very steady, you know, Frame has been profitable since day one. Uh, we have our best month every month now, pretty much. It's kind of on fire and it's not by it's not because we buy our customer which i'm like very proud of you may say so like that's it's it's you know it's not a hype brand but it's like it's very yes profitable for, who can say that from day one like that's spectacular so what you're an investor yourself uh, out of the gate where you and uh, you're in growth mode you're opening stores you're expanding categories like are you good? Like, are you looking for fundraising? We, What's we, happening? No, we're great. Yeah. We, we have never taken any investment. Nice. Uh, at all. We have uh, shareholders that we took in, but we took the money out actually at the time when it was quite early on, but that was mainly to get advice. You know, Andrew Rosen, who's an incredible mentor, who's on our board, has been, you know, theory and, and, and fame from other reasons has been incredible to us. And it was really like to get knowledge and get the playbook. Uh, which is not to be underestimated to have people who know, you know, how to do it, even though he did it at a different time, you know, he's been an incredible partner to us uh, in that sense. But yeah, we haven't taken a penny, don't need it uh, necessarily. And I think, you know, it's, it's in good shape. I think we might, you know, there might be a day when we want to like really expand and do some kind of deal. I don't know. It's not really on the cards now. Uh, I ultimately want the frame to be a you know, globally respected brand. And we're mainly focused on America for a long time now. As I said, international is coming, but there's like so much to do. Yeah. Like literally, it's like day, day zero every day. Yep. 
so much growth to be done. I hope so. Look out, folks. <laughs> um, tell me about, if you have to touch on sustainability, um, this is a project. Like, where, where are your customers demanding it? What's it taking to get there? Where you want to be? Oh, yeah. It's a small <laughs> question. Um, where I want to be... I think we're going, th we're going through this a lot now, actually. We've we done s actually so much to be better when it comes to sustainability. I th actually think we're, we're far better than people think. Uh, sadly, we're in fashion, which is like fashion literally means unsustainable. Because <laughs> like making things fashionable and unfashionable is de facto unsustainable. So, uh, and we've been in denim and it's like, I own up to it. It's embarrassing to be in denim because it's very unsustainable, right? So I, you know been embarrassed to say what I do. I go to a like Google camp, it's like fancy conferences, like, what do you do? And you like make denim, like you literally want to hide, right? Shrink. And it's like, I once had a conversation with, with the, one of the founders of Google, I shouldn't even share, but he's like, why do you make clothes? <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, it's what I know how to do. So <laughs> kids, <laughs> but all joking aside, I think the, we, we've done a, a lot and we, we don't market it a lot. The, the, the few times we have done, and we've done something called biodegradable recently and something else called pure, and we marketed that quite a lot, but that's mainly because I want to show to the industry and our peers that like this can be done and we all need to do it. Yeah. It's not to sell so much more of it. Like I wish everyone bought it, but uh, we have to also, of course, educate the customer that it exists, but we are very much there at the mercy of our suppliers. We don't have our own factories. So our job there is to be, you know, very curious, very active in how we look at who we work with. Yeah. And then we have to question, you know, because it's not so easy uh, to go like, oh, we found the best factory that does it in the best way, but they are, you know, on the other side of the world, in Australia, let's say. And then you go like, that would be easy to go, yeah, but we have to like get the stuff from there. That's not so sustainable. Right. And then, for example, you do a sustainable project around the biodegradable gene, and then, you know, no one buys it, and we have to take it back. That's not so sustainable. Yeah. So, like, the question of sustainability is not so easy to answer. I think we have to own up to that. Yeah. So my approach is very much as, you know, a co-founder of this business, we have to behave as founders, as the brand, and the brand as the founders. Like, I am trying to be, you know, good at what I do and be a good global citizen. And I'm trying to be a good friend. But I'm going to mess up sometimes. Right. And I will own up to that. So I think as a brand, Frame's job is to try to best be the best we can be yeah. at all times. Sometimes we won't succeed. I think, I hope everyone understands that, but we will always try to be the best uh, we can be. And we have many, many projects that is not seen uh, that we work on. And we're working now, we worked on on a strategy that will, that will, that will inform us, you know, as, as humans, as a company and in execution now for a long time, that is going to be the center of our company, uh, going forward. So, uh, yes, we, we won't save the world, but we will be the best we can be, if that makes sense. Yes. I'm like intrigued. <laughs> no, but what are we talking about? Sorry. <laughs> maybe it's like float, a little bit floated with me, but that's, that's how I am. But like, we, you know, it's at the center of every conversation we have, yeah. we have to put like this, if, if it comes to packaging or if it comes to how we make our product or yes. but also the culture of our people and, and offices and whatever it might be, uh, we want to be good global citizens right and we work hard on that, that I guarantee. Yes. Outside of frame, you're an investor. What is worthy of your investment these days? Where, where are you putting your money? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if I tell you, I have to kill you. So, <laughs> um, so I love fashion. 
Yes. But I guess it's not so much in fashion because for my own sake, we can get a much better outcome if we start the brands rather than invest in the brands. So right. I don't really invest in fashion. That makes sense. If that makes sense, right? So like frame is good, you know, because it's now valuable and so forth. What I have invested in, Otherwise, it's outside of fashion, everything from, I had a chance because I, I know people are much smaller than me, right? So sometimes I get to tag along, which is my <laughs> investment strategy. So, you know, I've been like in Aura Ring and in Sweet Greens and th things like that. Oh, perfect. Through much smarter people than me, <laughs> which is effectively Jens, my business partner, who's like really smart. Um, and then uh, I have another opportunity because my girlfriend is also very smart and has yes. a fund called Imaginary, who's investing in a lot of cool companies. So... I try to listen to them and, and so forth. And then I have another little strategy that's my own, uh, which probably will never give any return. No, it will. But, <laughs> but it's more about giving opportunity to people like oneself. So I came from Sweden. I had like no connections, you know, from a pig farm. And, and it was like a long journey, which is a great journey, which I'm very happy with. But sometimes I find young people, as I said, again, I'll repeat, it's like I'm a 40-year-old straight privileged white guy. <laughs> Uh, I find these people that I think has better drive than I had when I was young. And I like now, I, 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 like a year ago during COVID, I was hit up by this guy in Sweden who literally is, you know, 21 years old, or sorry if I get his age wrong, but like he started a perfume brand that was like inspired by, you know, the, the, the smell that he experienced in the suburbs of Stockholm in the projects, effectively a mix of culture. And he's like an amazing guy that came from Africa and he's like, he did this, he launched this whole project that looks, you know, it costed, it would have costed me like $5 million to do this. He did like $10,000 oh and I just wanted to like help him. And, you know, so I'm in Paris and fashion week introduced into like Pat McGrath and Naomi and everyone. Uh, and it's like, that gives me more. I, I, I'm sure he will succeed. Yeah. Uh, but it's not really about the money as much as, uh, yeah, be like, it's fun for me. Yeah. And like, he's extraordinary. It's called Uniform. You should check it out. Uh, and like be able to introduce him to like pass pass it on, you know. Yes. I, I didn't really have that person, so I that I'm excited about those kind of things. Yes. Oh, to, excited to have the privilege to be excited about those kind of things. Yes. Oh my god, I, I feel like we're all love in this place. Like Natalie, your your partner Ma yeah. is Massanet. Yeah. I'm like, Massanet, right? Yeah. Anyway, Imaginary Ventures. We have. Nick Brown, come you speak at our next event. Anyway, no we're worries. all in yeah. the family here. Um, <laughs> but it's really like you don't have any like goals or quotas. You're like a project comes your way and you're like, I'm going to invest in that. I'm passionate about that. Let's, I believe in that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, yeah, maybe you shouldn't say, but I'm strangely not so much about the money. Like yeah. I just want to do like really like gorgeous things and be part of amazing stuff. And I think you have different chapters in your life. And like my goal now is to make, frame like 4.0 not just like okay i want to make it like people obsess about it and make it a, like i haven't even started yet like what's coming is going to be like insane and then i want to do like other projects uh like i have this creative agency that i'm involved in that i think these guys are amazing they're far better than i ever was and that's like the most exciting thing that can happen to me uh and other other things that is random like art furniture you know books yeah other things Get ready. But frame's my baby, though. Yes. <laughs> Frame is just hitting puberty, I think, you see. It's like a little confused now, but it's going to get like real, real hot soon. <laughs> For sure. Well, I want to turn it over to audience questions, but first of all, like the future of the company, the next 10 years, you see it. <laughs> 10 years? 
He's like, we don't even know if we're living in the metaverse in three months. Like, I have no idea. Ten yes. years. It's yeah. coming. It'll be hot. Is the word? Is yeah. I, I think ten years is almost in, like impo- like I can't even think that far. <laughs> I know like four point zero, but that needs to be as I say like, and that would probably take two years. I think you know. Yeah, it, it's just I want it to be relevant, desirable. This is like very generalistic, I guess, but then much more international um, for a global citizen. You know. In, in a certain way, I, I, I want to be, I want to just, just be proud of it. And I think if I'm proud of it, I think people will like it and love it and, you know, raise the level at all times. I really mean, I really think it's just like literally like day zero. And I'm, I don't say that to demotivate anyone on a team. Like, you know, yeah. it was incredible what we have achieved so far, but it's still, let's go time. Yeah. You know? Are you bringing in like anybody new that you're looking to hire to take it, help take it to the next level in the next? Always. Yes. Who are you, like, what positions are you looking for? Is it, who have you hired recently? (laughs) Putting you on the spot. Pass. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) All good. No, no, I mean like, yeah, but there's people all the time. There's like some of them are here. Um, Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, as we, as we grow and I also think the business changes, there's different and also external partners i think it's very much about moving fast like again this energy working with different people being you know yeah just generating content or product or whatever it might be collaborations or architects or photographers whatever it might be yeah uh, I, I think that's a, that's that's a big deal for sure where's fashion going in general <laughs> um okay yeah actually i think but in general, I think to generalize fashion is hard, right? Because there's so many different levels of fashion and what it means to different people. I do think, you know, product is king. I think, you know, the two most interesting brands in the world right now is Balenciaga and Skims, who Jens, you know, founded and, you know, smartest man I know. Uh, so I think they're both disrupting the same way and because they're part of a popular culture on a day-to-day basis, so because they're in different price points, I think they're good examples. Uh, I think I think it's going in a way where mass has to be executed on a very, very top level. And I think that's what Skims is doing. And I think it's going where luxury has to be part of mass in the popular culture way, which is what Balenciaga is doing. So that's now. 10 years, I don't know, I mean, three months, I don't know. Just hope, I just hope to be around <laughs> and learn and be curious. That's all I care about. I feel like the brands you mentioned all have a Kim Kardashian connection. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, the, mo- the most, yeah, powerful woman right now in the, in the world when it comes to making stuff happen. So, yeah. Anyway, you have some energy, man. Like you had a protein <laughs> shake and you're just like, you're creative, you're creative, like always like, also, on your Instagram, like, I'm sure it was just, like, a regular shoot. Like, I grabbed your last three, like, frame shots from the from the feed and put them on my Instagram stories because they were so inspiring to me. Anyway. That we have to pay you for that? Knit, <laughs> the knit bodysuit with a knit little layer over the top. I'm like, with a girl with, like, big curly hair. It was really good. Anyway, so you're – anyway, you're inspiring me. But um, in terms of keeping your creativity up, especially during the last two years, you're at home, I don't know, um, has this – is this just you? Has like, are there like, is there a secret sauce to kind of maintaining the creativity when that is your job? Oh, yeah, no, there's no secret sauce. I think I, I have the unfortunate and fortunate uh, personality of 
having a lot of energy sometimes and then also very little sometimes. Yeah. It's very high and low with me. Uh, so, of course, I'm trying to be some energy here today and then tomorrow, you know, it will not be there. But, <laughs> but uh, no, but during COVID was hard. It was hard for everyone. I think I had a little special situation because for me, because I lived in London at the time and it was very hard for me to usually actually connect with the teams because they were in LA and New York. So Zoom weirdly made me feel more connected to everyone because I was not coming out of a, you know, a conference call and we were all kind of on the same level. And I think for me, probably not for the teams and everyone, but for me, it helped a lot to move the company forward, in my opinion, uh, so that I liked. Uh, it also gave me the chance to, I'm bad at delegating, so I also like need time to actually do what I call do the work, which I probably shouldn't because I should lead. So I'm a very bad manager as well. Uh, so I actually got time to do stuff. So in this, like what I wanted to be this 3.0 version of frame, I had time to, you know, do this relaunch of men's where I like designed every like, item and the book that I showed you earlier, like, you know, call all these 40 guys to come and do the shoots and all this kind of stuff. We had time to get better and to yeah. slow things down and consider things. And that I quite enjoyed. And I don't know, I had an energy burst during that time, which maybe not everyone did. Uh, and now I'm more pumped than ever for frame. Like, yeah. I don't even know what to do with it. I mean, if I could do every, all the ideas that I have, it, but it would like literally kill the team. So <laughs> I've been told to like stop a little bit, which I'm trying to. Yeah. It's too much. Simmer <laughs> down. <laughs> right on. Well, this has been oh so enjoyable. You guys, thank you all. Like, we didn't even announced why we were here today, like the, celebrating 10 years of frame first in, in October, but also, yes, Glossy Plus for all of you who are members and came out tonight. Like, thank you for being here. It's been a while since we've done an IRL event. We'll be doing more of these, but this is an awesome way to get back in the swing of things and kick things off. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me. And thank you for coming. I can't believe 50,000 people came to this. It's insane. <laughs> If you want to be a part of these exclusive chats where there's much opportunity to network and we open up the floor to audience questions, become a Glossy Plus member at glossy.co slash subscribe. You'll also gain access to unlimited glossy stories, exclusive research, and more. Till next time. <laughs>